listening to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch. And welcome to the latest edition of the Invent Podcast, the Construction Big Breakfast with me, Tip Top Tim Fitch. And today, two new faces. On my right, Sarah Mwati, who is one of our consultants here at Invent. And on my left, I've got Alex Tossetti, who is an all-round good chap and guru on smart cities. So today we're going to be talking about smart cities, which is not something I've got very much expertise in at all. But that's why I brought Sarah in, who's uh, one of her hot subjects. But... What we always do, and if you've watched any of our episodes, you probably have a clue as to what happens next, because there is a theme to these podcasts, I'm going to ask you, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, um, I had two rounds of toast, orange juice and Weetabix, followed by a cup of tea. There we are, very traditional British breakfast. A little bit on the light side, low on protein. Yes, yes, I am looking after my health in this uh, low-carbon uh, healthy world that we now have to live Sorry. in. And Sarah, come on, oh, spill the beans, what did you have? I had a very traditional Lebanese yogurt spread, which we call labne. Labne, yeah. Toast, oh, lovely. With olive oil, so a bit of Mediterranean breakfast. And very of good. course, a lot of coffee. Of course, labne is one of the great finds <laughs> for me. <'cause>, uh, <laughs> nice. We've had a, we've got we have a number and have had plenty of people in the past from uh, the Middle East who so got into the whole bread and labne culture of the Middle East, which is really tremendous. Great. Yeah. But of course, what I had, uh, I, I had, uh, what did I have today? I was out with somebody, I had Kedgeri. Kedgeri, which is a very, very nice breakfast. Are you familiar with Kedgeri? I didn't try it, but. You know what it is? It's sort of curry rice with yeah, a. I think with it's a bit heavy for me. Uh, it's got haddock in it, yep. and smoked haddock, yep. and uh, you get a poached egg. So I have that every morning when I go to Glastonbury, at Glastonbury. Oh really? The best kedgeri in the UK is a Glastonbury kedgeri. Wow. Then you follow it on with a pint. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well there's, there's a breakfast tip. So really, I'm going to throw it open now for Sarah and uh, Alex to have a, a discussion with you around smart cities, because I know we met uh, few weeks ago but Sarah really uh, was very excited when we said you were coming in because she's that's her subject so So I'm interested because I'm pursuing a master's in smart cities and urban analytics at the Bartlett in UCL and you have such a wide experience in this field I've known from uh, from them so I just wanted to share your thoughts and views uh, starting maybe from a very general thought about the evolution of smart cities that started maybe as private initiatives in the private sector and then it evolved to government, public movement. And nowadays, the interesting thing is it became a community-driven approach that everyone is is concerned about from the grassroots up to the top. And the thing that is encouraging uh, civic innovation, uh, equity, collaboration between everyone and maybe creating new government model. So having your experience, I wanted to, to see what, what's your thought about our beloved London and uh, especially with the integration of smart cities within the policies with the Mayor of London launching Smart London Together plan, which aims to transform London to the smartest city in the world. 
So what do you think about it? If, if you have any assessment about the strategy that are following about this particular bid? Wow, what a brilliant <laughs> first question. Um, well, first, congratulations Thank on doing the Bartlett MSE course, which is probably one of the best. Um, and I myself uh, was part of the Bartlett International Summer School program about 15 years ago. Um, and that's actually when I first started getting interested in smart cities. We used to go to different cities, Moscow, um, Brasilia, um, Barcelona, and talk about urban regeneration. This is 15 years ago. Um, and at that point, uh, the MSC course were talking about smart in those days. So, so it's been going for some time, the, the smart conversation. Um, but uh, so congratulations and good luck on that course. Um, so London, yeah. Uh, what a great city to start with. We, we live and work in London, and uh, I think without doubt is, it is one of the best and smartest cities in the world. Um, it's very progressive. There's a lot of things that have taken place here in a, in a city of eight, nine million people. Um, some would feel it's a little bit chaotic, but I mean, where there's chaos, there's some great innovations and great technologies and great behaviour changes that can be implemented across the whole of society. So uh, London is a great starting point and probably the, the first most fundamental change in terms of smart in London was the introduction of the Oyster Card, yes. uh, which is now mm, 10, uh, 10 years old and other cities have followed that that concept of uh, being able to get used to travelling, uh, multimodal use uh, card, um, and to help um, to help smooth a, a more frictionless um, way of uh, travelling. So, so that I would have said put London way up on the smart city map um, some ten years ago. Uh, there's an awful lot of things now being done. That's Presto Car for Toronto. There we go. So I've adopted it. Yeah. Cities like Toronto are following. Yep. Um, I've got obviously Singapore is doing some great stuff as well. Um, there's a lot of city to city uh, um, learning uh, going on. Um, but the the other thing I, I think um, you know Boris when he was mayor was really pushing development hard. Um, infrastructure hard, uh, the current mayor is, is pushing that as well, and the current smart city plan for London is, is very innovative, um, very forward thinking. Um, digital London as well is another really strong piece of policy. Um, so, so in terms of the GLA, I think they're really setting a good scene for uh, innovation. And let, let's just be frank, I think um, smart cities is all about innovation um, and doing things better and improving the the, um, the experience for users, whether you live here or visit here yeah. or work here. And I think especially the challenge with London is that it's a very old city, so the integration of smart systems is very challenging uh, instead of, for example, just starting from, from scratch and uh, having the infrastructure ready for, for all the requirements that all the smart systems will need. And uh, what about maybe global model? That's, for example, uh, Barcelona, as you mentioned, is one of the smartest cities in Europe, as well Amsterdam, that we're using uh, data analysis and uh, for a very long time to help drive their economy and uh, maybe incubate entrepreneurships, which, 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 which that's why they're very successful in this field. 
um, as, as well you have India now with the 100 Smart Cities program that are uh, working on it and many many more. Uh, do you think maybe like there's a successful model that everyone should follow or it's like an interconnected uh, process of learning especially with the technology changing for, uh, very rapidly like you cannot cope with it. Uh, do you have any idea of uh, a successful application maybe all around the world because you were, you were mentioning that you traveled a lot and you experienced a lot in this field as well? Yeah, interesting question. There, I think there's no one overall smart city. It's more about um, smart projects and smart technologies being implemented within cities. Um, I don't think, I mean, if there was, if I, if I said what is the smartest city that I've been to, probably Malmo or Stockholm in, in, in Sweden, uh, very well managed in a very holistic style, um, a lot of integrations and a lot of issues being, being covered. So probably the smartest city, but um, uh, there are other cities. I was asked one day, what's your dumbest city if you have your, if you have, if you have your smartest city? Um, a, bit, a little bit unfortunate, but um, uh, you know, cities like Detroit, which uh, are now up and coming again after, after hugely failing um, in terms of economic, economics uh, and the loss of um, the automobile industry and industry in Detroit generally, the, the, the leadership of that city let the city die. Um, and that to me is, wasn't very smart in terms of the economic uh, regeneration, rejuvenation and rebranding of, of the city. Um, now uh, Detroit is coming back again. Um, so uh, just to give you my, uh, so you understand where, where I think the best cities are, my definition a smart city is five words and there are so many definitions around and I was asked one day well, what is it in five words and mine is improved citizen-centric urban environment and a big emphasis on improved okay so we can always improve London can improve Barcelona can improve uh, Amsterdam can improve it's all about uh, improving that citizen experience uh, in day-to-day -day life uh, Barcelona is very good and it's got some excellent smart um, applications um, doing a lot on the digital front, uh, doing a lot out of the, the local university, partnership with the city council. Um, Amsterdam as well is doing some really great stuff uh, with its mobility as is Copenhagen. Um, every city has a little bit of really good things going on uh, and the same uh, can be said in UK cities as well. So Bristol is doing some really good stuff. Uh, Glasgow is doing some good stuff. Um, all slightly different. And each of these cities can learn off each other. Um, and that's where the whole use case scenario, I think, is so important. So when you build up your portfolio of understanding about what is a smart city, look at the user cases, mm. use cases. Um, whether they are projects, individual buildings, or intervention areas, such as campus sites or estates, such as King's Cross here, mm. Wembley, uh, regeneration, regeneration around Wembley, uh, or, or uh, municipality-wide, so the old common master plan, uh, with large intervention areas, or the city as a whole. So you can enter, enter this, this discussion at building level, municipality level, campus level, or city, city scale level. And I think the good thing is that uh, the need 
for smart city now is imposing or maybe exposing uh, new skills to everyone. For example, we have someone that is developing apps, uh, maybe you know programming languages. Even if you're not a data scientist, for example, I have an architectural background. I had never I had nothing to do with, with data analysis. Even Shubham he had a master's in construction. Yes. Uh, and actually now in Invent we're using this as well. Those skill sets, if you wanna if you wanna say. Uh, and this is very interesting that uh, that everyone now is concerned about this. Uh, but what about the challenges that is facing data analysis, especially with uh, a lot of articles, maybe last week, I'm not sure if you heard of it, the uh, one of the biggest breach of government data uh, concerning educational yes. data. Uh, children, maybe more than 28 million children were exposed, names, addresses, ages for gambling companies. So um, this was a very bad situation for, uh, in terms of security and cyber security. What, what do you think will be the next, the next challenge concerning uh, data and ethics? Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I, just back to your first comment about um, the role of professions, professionals in small cities. Um, I think you're right, it's something in it for everybody. So all disciplines, whether you're an architect, engineer, quantity surveyor, project manager, um, economist, you all have a part in the smart city program. Um, and that's why it's such an interesting subject. Um, and it's mashing together all those, those good ideas and different disciplines and everybody comes from it from a slightly different angle, but everybody can contribute to it um, uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a discipline. Um, data, yes, data. Interesting, the new oil. Um, hot topic. Uh, very hot topic. Um, it's no doubt about it. Um, it's going to get. It's going to increase. We are in an absolute digital age. We need to keep up with it. And this is actually one of my um, reasons for setting off on the smart city, uh, um, smart city routes about six years ago, was because I felt digital, the technology world was growing so fast, it was overtaking our world of construction mm. and design. Mm. And unless our industry keeps up with it um, and is, is um, more resilient and, and getting up with the, with, with the digital world, we're going to get left behind as an, as an industry. So, and also, we're designing projects, we're master planning projects, which take some 10 to 15 years to incubate, to be occupied, to be realised. And life over 10 to 15 years in the technology world is, is far too long. So things will change in that period. So we as designers need to ensure how we, how we um, incorporate uh, future flexibility and resilience of technology into our master plans from day one and how that can transition to uh, year 10, 15 when the sites are fully occupied. Um, so that's how can technology change behaviour and how does citizen behaviour influence how we design? So you've got to look at it both ways. In terms of data, um, yes, absolutely. I think there is a, an older generation that um, are finding it quite difficult to cope with. I think there's a younger generation that are brought up with it and, and it's normal everyday life. Um, so not a problem. Um, there is a lot of debate about data security, there's um, the 
police force are now um, implementing uh, face recognition mm -hmm. cameras, um, uh, Google Sidewalk Labs in uh, Toronto um, have had problems with uh, their urban regeneration project in Toronto Waterside, um, talking about data, um, and there's a little bit of paranoia with the local community and the, and the city council about what they will do with that data um, in terms of uh, monitoring people. Um, so, so there needs to be some careful uh, laws and policies around data. And as long as you're not naming individuals, I don't see it as a, as a problem. I see data analytics as a very useful way of helping improve. Um, uh, you know, millions and millions of bits of data actually is very helpful. Can I ask a question? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of listings of this fascinating. Is it, is the smart city, is it like a top-down agenda in your view? Is it the the mayors of the world or of a particular city who say we're going to have this as a strategic aim and a, a theme to any future development and therefore write it into the, the local codes and what have you? Or is it the other way around? more bottom-up where it's it's entrepreneurial developers who are saying well if we if we can get this going you know we're going to have a, yeah. a, a more resilient a better building it's going to be more uh, it's more what our tenants are likely to want or the users of this space yeah. where do you see the drivers for it so i think it's both uh, i think i think of course it starts with leadership at the top so the mayors the 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 um, presidents prime ministers of countries the mayors um, of cities have got to drive this. Um, and I think it's as much about leadership in making your city um, frictionless for its users, um, attractive for visitors, um, differentiator from other cities. So um, implementing uh, technologies and innovation. Um, if this is driven by the city mayors, uh, top down, um, I think, uh, well, well there is, there's the, there's the uh, C40 Mayors um, Forum uh, where global mayors get together and talk about um, uh, smart cities, but it's also linked to the whole climate crisis, climate agenda, decarbonisation of, of, of uh, your city, um, whether that's through uh, um, individual citizens or, or companies or project organisations, the whole smart city um, ethos is generally or should be underpinned by climate change and decarbonisation. Mm. Uh, this is why smart transport, smart energy goes to the heart of a lot of this city-wide uh, agenda and, and uh, development. Bottom up, I think it is young people in a digital age and entrepreneurship driving a lot of disruptive disruptive ideas, technologies. It's great. It's, it's upward pushing. Um, it's what the citizens expect. Um, uh, and I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs and, and startups and small startups that are driving a lot of really interesting disruptive technology into our industry that is making us think and making um, uh, governors of cities change policy.
to suit. So it's both. See, uh, that's interesting because I mean, it always. I mean, in construction, there's so much noise about oh, we want top down. You know, it's somebody else's problems that we are going to solve our problems for us. But in this particular thing, you think it's there's some policy type stuff and that's some civic leadership. But you see the the entrepreneurs, the asset owners who are picking up the baton straight away and going with it. Yeah. And, and, and the, the in-between bit, the construction bit, is really interesting because, you know, as you know, our industry needs to be far more efficient, um, uh, keep quality high, safety high, and, um, and be competitive. And that's driving the whole um, uh, off-site manufactured manufacturing, product development, modular, um, how can we build uh, uh, quicker, uh, slightly cheaper, um, uh, still safely, uh, that's driving the whole modular uh, effort. Um, I think in design, BIM has been around a long time and that actually been really, really slow in our industry to, to be completely taken up by everybody in a, in a consistent manner. I think that's been a struggle. In, in our construction industry and it needs a lot more attention. Um, I think our industry needs to radically move into a digital twin environment. So um, just like the aviation sector and the automobile sector has have done in, in their industry, um, where you are designing a building from the outset as a digital twin. So when it comes to construction, it's a lot more efficient. When it comes to soft landings and handover to the client, it is a ready-made a ready -made, uh, building uh, or piece of infrastructure that can be adapted and managed as an asset class. So, so smart cities is very much about running assets as much as it is about the building process. How does that tie in with the stuff that you've been learning? Mm, I think this is more practical point of view, because more than the theoretical one, especially when you're facing uh, problems in, within the built environment that is already there, uh, definitely it's different than, than, than the books and than the, than the theories that everyone's talking about. Uh, with all the challenges of, uh, as you mentioned, the implementation of those systems within the existing infrastructure, which, which I personally think is a, I mean, in case of London, is a very successful model. Uh, being able, for example, to introduce the, the Oyster card a long time ago, uh, when having cities until now, they don't have that, for example. They don't have the, the, the contactless uh, way of payment in order to, to, uh, to move, which is, at, which is as well affecting mobility uh, topics that uh, are uh, now uh, trendy as well. Uh, and of course, the inclusion that uh, they are trying to uh, promote. With all, with all the cities now in case in, in terms of special needy people and maybe everyone not only this case um, so yeah I think it's 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 a whole new new point of view for me <laughs> and it is a, it's a, it's a, yeah, if you can relate it to practical situations mm -hmm. it really helps yeah. and, and clients and customers and citizens then understand what you're talking about and you know, for example, we might have the world's best, the world's oldest underground system uh, with an Oyster card, a very helpful Oyster card system, but we still don't have Wi-Fi on our underground. 
uh, which is very frustrating. They're working yeah, on it, they yeah, working on it. Yeah, every other city seems to have Wi-Fi yeah. uh, 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 on, on their uh, tubes and, and metros. So, so we can still learn. Let's hope. We can still learn. And, uh, uh, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot, there's an awful lot to do. And the whole, your point about societal um, uh, behaviour um, in, a, in, a, in a, an amazing city that we are in is so important as well. Um, so a lot of this is about uh, societal uh, behaviour and influencing that um, so that the citizen has a better experience quality, better experience. Um, so yeah, a lot of psychology and socio-economics um, is the kind of bedrock of smart cities. Just one sort of last point or two, because obviously we've had quite an interesting, very interesting debate from my point of view. Is there, I mean, the whole point of cities, I thought, is that people are sort of coming together and mixing. That's how they were invented, wasn't it? You know, is there a chance that the technology will mean that you don't have to be in the city, you can just do it on your phone? And is, 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 is it one of those things? Well, how's that going to play out? Interesting. Well, Teddy, Teddy, Teddy working. Came about 20 years ago, didn't it? it was the, the, the 30 years ago, the onset of the internet. Um, and uh, 20 years ago, people you know, started to work from home because of that internet use. Um, it's an interesting point because um, is the world of technology going to change the way we work? Yes. And the way we travel? Yes. Um, and the way we spend our leisure time? Yes. Look at the high street. You know, shopping has radically changed as a result of technology uh, integration in, in a world of Amazon and Uber and Deliveroo. We've changed the way we yeah. live. So, and I think I think you, until you actually say that, and, and you don't really realise how you've changed as an individual because you've just done it. Um, so, technology will influence the way we work and live and play. Um, I think the whole this whole 5G revolution is going to be quite interesting as well, uh, particularly for rural communities. So yes. if the rural communities are all wired up properly and have the same bandwidth and speed of communication that we enjoy in cities, then why commute into a city? Um, so lots of debate about where do you then put your housing? Um, yeah. um, and uh, so, the, so, so again, technology is starting to influence policy, uh, housing. Do you put all your housing in yeah. the Cambridge Corridor? Or do you put your housing in infill sites or brownfield sites in the city centre or both? Um, is there a theoretical, is, what's the academic view of this? Or is it, they've not got a view at the moment. I think decentralisation is uh, something theory go for it because it, uh, it gives uh, quality for as you mentioned, maybe people that doesn't have the ability to access large cities, for example, London or maybe other cities. But at the same time, it will change uh, the behavior of the, of the resident within the city. And I think we need more time, uh, as, as, as Alex mentioned, uh, because we are living in it. Maybe we're not seeing it. We're noticing it after 10 or 15 years. Uh, we noticed the change that happened uh, in the last uh, period. But um, it's, it's something controversial, I think, because you cannot say that this is uh, something bad that will not 
benefit maybe construction industry or, or other sectors, uh, but at the same time, it will benefit a lot of people. So I think it's something controversial that we need to study more or maybe just wait and see. Well, thank you for that, Sarah. On that note, we're going to have to pull this uh, uh, discussion to a close. It's been fascinating. We've had two very contrasting views. We've got the, the current up-to-date academic and we've got the, not been there, done it all, but practitioner who's been all over the world looking at these things uh, from Alex. So that Sarah and Alex's view has been fascinating. I've certainly learned something and I hope uh, those that have tuned in have as well. So thanks to uh, Sarah and our guest Alex. Thank you. And see you on the next podcast. Invent has a 100% success rate with R&D tax credits, bringing in over 77 million pounds in qualified costs for businesses just like you. We offer a complimentary confidential review of your business to see where you're leaving money on the table. Contact us at www.invent.com to book a consultation today. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.